In this episode of the Flophouse, we do our best to stay conscious while watching Awake. This is the Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. Uh, my name is Elliot Kalen. As you might be able to hear from uh, your ears, or <laughs> or unless there are problems with you, or, you're hearing through something else, or if for some reason you're, you're you're listening to the podcast in reverse order and you're listening to the outtakes first, uh, you probably know by now that we have uh, extra microphones. So hopefully the please podcast... keep your ex- please keep your excitement to a minimum. <laughs> yeah, well, no, but you can actually hear things. Unlike say last episode when you Elliot were completely inaudible. For I heard about that. Yeah. Oh, you don't listen to the show. I understand. That's fine. <laughs> I know. I rushed home to listen to my own voice, because, and then I as soon as I heard that I wasn't audible, I stopped. You're making you're making me feel kind of bad about listening to the podcast at work. <laughs> Yeah, the thing is that like, I hope your boss makes you feel bad about that. <laughs> My so wait, are you saying are you guys saying that when you listen to it, you don't just like put it on and like listen to your friends talking about stuff, and I you're like, oh, Dan and Elliot are in the room. With also, me. Yay! Uh, also, I don't know if you're aware of this, Elliot. I'm not a segment producer on the Daily Show. I I file things for a living, so I can pretty much do that while listening to a podcast. You're saying you're, you're telling me you can sit for more than five minutes at a time at your desk without. That's without exactly having to go do I'm something, oh. you you kind of like carte blanche when it comes to what you're allowed to listen to. Yeah, that is, I would say, <laughs> the one perk of my job. Well, no, two perks. Listen, oh. listen, it's not a perfect job, but I can't control your ears. You listen to whatever you want to listen to. I'm not the boss of your ears. I'm just the boss of you, McCoy. Yeah. Uh, to sum up, um, if you work in an admissions office, you spend a lot of time opening the mail. <laughs> And putting that mail into Manila envelopes. Like to sum it. up, microphones. Oh, what were you going to say, I was just going to say that you're slowly painting a picture of who Dan McCoy is. Yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> I work Sad in an admissions <laughs> office. I have a cat. <laughs> like, I like movies. There's a Harvey P. Carr element to this. Sure. Little bits of it. Tell us about your trip to the bank the other day. <sighs> you know what? Let's just cut out the whole movie element <laughs> of this podcast. Now that we've got three microphones, I feel like we can get a lot more intimate with colors. Sure. <laughs> with colors, eh? I think I hear one coming. Um, First time, long Dracula. time. <laughs> I'm listening to your podcast right now. Uh, can you hear me? No, we can't hear you. This was recorded. If you're calling in now, I don't know who you're talking to. Sure. Okay, well, I guess I'll call in next time. Don't. It's going to be recorded again. Yeah. I don't even know how you know what this person is saying. I don't know, like, yeah. They apparently called a dummy number somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but with a... Uh, That's actually a machine. more exciting movie than uh, the movie we just watched. Oh, yeah, wow. That's very true. We watched the movie Awake, starring Hayden Christensen and... Can't make a bad film. Flophouse favorite <laughs> well, disc album. <laughs> no, well, let's... I have let's... to say, I'm not... I just want to get it... This might start controversy and get us off track. I don't have the same blind worship for Jessica Alba that many have, it seems. I don't think she's all that attractive when it comes down to it. You know, well, what about her acting ability? Uh, she's an amazing actress. <laughs> no, I mean, she's, she's a, you know, the, the Vanessa Redgrave type. Can play anything, but uh, 
You know, I don't I don't have the no, I don't have the blind worship that a lot of people <laughs> seem to, but I have the same feeling. I think we discussed this with Jessica Biel uh, before. Not 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 a woman that personally like I find attractive, but objectively I'm like that is an amazing body. See, Jessica Biel I do find attractive, but even with right. Alba it's just I don't, you know. It's it's not an issue of whether or not I find her really attractive or anything. It's that simply it's it's part it's one more step along my goal to see literally every woman alive naked at some point <laughs> in my life. So that is that, a lofty ambition. You know, I, I, I'm allowed to shoot high. Yeah. How are, you, how are you doing? I'm guessing you're doing infinitely poorly. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing that's only if you're counting people who died before he had the chance to start this quest well, I guess it was every woman alive okay, you're never you're, gonna it's not infinitely poorly I'm probably in the billions poorly though the problem is I have to admit a lot of the ones I've seen naked already dead <laughs> wow that's he's, he, you're the kind vo- of to blame you're the voyeuristic kind of grave digger <laughs> it's so so much harder so to keep this conversation stuff. on track when there are three microphones isn't it Dan <laughs> Editing this will be a nightmare now that you've instituted this three-microphone system. Seems so good. What a a godsend. I'm still shocked that apparently Stuart's the heavy in a late-night Cinemax film. (laughs) Like the guy from Kindergarten Cop and... What? (laughs) Yeah, late-night Cinemax films like Kindergarten Cop. No, I'm saying the bad guy in Kindergarten Cop who is, uh, is the romantic lead in Two Moon Junction, the Zalman King movie. Oh, okay. Uh, so awake, huh? <laughs> yes, awake. Shouldn't you be keeping us on track? Dan? You want to do any like summary or lead-in of what? Awake? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to. Okay, I was so... saying that Hayden Christensen and Jessica Alba starred in it, which um... chemistry, <laughs> a lot of chemistry. Yeah. Well, it was the chemistry was just a little less powerful than like a baking soda and vinegar volcano. Sure, but, that's fair. But a little more powerful than Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman. In the Star Wars films, yeah, um, Star Wars films. <laughs> oh, that's right. I, I forgot you. You had that lobotomy. Yeah, films. But uh, uh, do you want to go over what happens in this movie, or should we just get into talking about the well, most passive protagonist in film history? Well, I think that my introduction will sort of seg into that because uh, segue into that. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Pedantic. All I'm saying, you said seg instead of segue. The, the, the last time I watched a movie, the guys, you said Lowen instead of Lohan. Mm. You, have a, you have a way of pronouncing things all your own. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, let's, let's keep moving. And I was going to say that <laughs> the movie starts with, there's some very serious tech stuff on the screen saying mm-hmm. this many people uh, get anesthesia every year, some large number. And out of those people who are anesthetized... Um, Very nice. This uh, smaller number of them have this horrible thing happen where they are awake in mind and they can feel the the pain, but sure. they can't move. And this is, you know, apparently. I mean, I I remember when this movie came out, uh, what little <laughs> attention there was about it focused on the fact that this is something that happens to people, although uh, more rarely than the movie would suggest. And you remember, since the movie came out, there's been a huge increase in attention paid to this problem. <laughs> oh. It's basically an issue film. This was a, this film say. was a flashpoint for social change. It's just like all those movies that are about like you know killer crocodiles or something, <laughs> and they open the movie with a text that's like, 
every year <laughs> 10,000 people go into the bayou uh, or hang out. 2,000 come back. <laughs> 2,000 come back, a bunch never come back. Well, I know that after the John Sayles scripted alligator, uh, the number of alligators that were flushed down the toilet went, went dramatically down because mm. they were afraid that uh, they would grow giant and Robert Forrester would not be there to save them. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't care for John Sayles. Mm. That's, a, that's a conversation for another day. It is. Okay, yeah, it is. That's for when we watch uh, uh, Casa de los Babies on the Flophouse. <laughs> it didn't do that well, theatrically. <laughs> so I think it might Technically count. a flop. <laughs> Silver City. <laughs> but um, to go back to this movie, which apparently we have no interest in discussing. Well, that's the th- here's here's This is of the times I've watched movies with you guys, which I think is two now. The time, what about you know, all the times we've watched movies for other reasons? No, yeah, but not count even even when we've watched bad movies to make fun of them in the past. Like this is the least paying attention I think we've ever been to. It, like we just yeah. were not engaged in this film. It was boring from start to finish, with with <laughs> with small moments of weirdness. But for the most part, it was shot in a very st- in a static way. It was acted in a static way. The music was static. The story was static in that the main character. If you don't mind me going into the plot a little bit, no, no, please. The main character is wealthy. Has is his mother disagrees with his choice of bride. He goes in for a heart surgery because he has a weak heart, even though he's a young man. It turns out everyone in the world is conspiring to murder him. His mother sacrifices her life to save him, and he does basically nothing the entire movie except lie there and complain, and uh, does not help in any way or accomplish anything. What does he really have to live for? I mean, he doesn't have any friends. I mean, his best man is the doctor who tried to kill him and sows his fucking wife. And the the only other friend we see of his is very briefly a man dressed as Dracula at a costume party that he throws in his office. Who initially, in, in one of the deleted scenes, I think, uh, recommends that they go out and look at strippers, which obviously paints him as a negative influence in his life. <laughs> right. And, and wait, I, and before, I want to, for, before I forget, this is something that we brought up while we were watching the movie, directors out there. If you're making a movie that requires a scene with a lot of big exposition in it, please don't set that scene at a Halloween costume party. Because as happened when we were watching this, uh, Hayden Christensen is talking about the business he's doing with these Japanese uh, business people, and it's it seems like it's important to the movie. It's not, but it seems like it is. And there's a guy in a bear suit wanders by in the background, and Dracula's there, and it's you just can't help but pay more well, attention to the bear. It seems like maybe they watched that scene in uh, Indiana Jones. <laughs> it was a literal monster match. <laughs> the, the, the director watched that scene in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, where Spielberg was like, "All right, I got to do a lot of exposition about the the Tuggy cult." Uh, I'll have this dinner scene, and exposition will happen, and then also there'll be a bunch of gags about crazy, gross food. But in that case, he, he went back and forth between the two, rather than having like zany food being brought out. <laughs> rather, than, rather than having two people having a very serious conversation, and then a monkey with its head top of its head chopped off just walked by in the background, <laughs> leading the audience to think, oh, what the hell, what is that all about? Why am I not looking at that? That What's monkey's going to come back into play. What's that story yeah. about that monkey? <laughs> if I see a monkey with the top of his head cough in Act 1. I know it's going to go off in Act 3. Is that is that monkey under anesthesia? <laughs> I wonder. It's crying. Oh, no. no we don't um, get too far ahead of ourselves, but the thing is, the thing about that anesthesia plot is, um, and we were discussing this, as my uh, lovely wife pointed out, it has no bearing on anything. Um, yeah, it's completely unrelated to the rest of the film. It's one of the most interesting ideas in the movie, this idea of like it would be truly horrific if you were, you know, completely paralyzed, you could feel everything, but we're going under under the knife for like major heart surgery. 
However, that basically does not play into anything. There's only about six minutes of that in what is an 81 minute film. Right, and and he doesn't even seem to like be going through that much pain. He immediately goes into that sort of a Wesley and the Princess Bride thing, <laughs> where he's like, "I'm going to put my brain in another happier place, and thus the pain will not affect me." And and, and so you're not engaged at all. He seems really focused on astral projecting and running around <laughs> like he's fucking Doctor Strange or something, <laughs> trying to solve the mystery by going back in time. Uh, but that's the thing. Well, he's he basically just goes back into his memories and either relives them or mopes around while he's dicking around in his subconscious. His mom is uncovering a murder ring right. and doing all sorts of exciting things. His subconscious dicking around, as you say, solves things for us, the audience, but it doesn't actually do anything <laughs> to affect the action of the film. Basically, not to spoil anything, but Hayden Christensen is completely paralyzed for the movie and then he dies temporarily. Meanwhile, his mom, Lena Olin, who played, we've who we've been by hot mom Lena Olin, <laughs> who we've been led to believe in the beginning is a monster, basically. Right. Doesn't want her son to talk to anybody. Disapproves of the his real wife. Momzilla. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Thank you. But it's it's basically it's basically the mom and the Manchurian Candidate, like a monster. Yeah, but then then we discover that she's just really passionate about her son. <laughs> I think passionate is the right word with sort of the weird vibes you get from it. But she also turns into this this super detective. <laughs> and she puts everything together in time to kill herself uh, so that her son can have her heart. So um, she solves everything and saves him while he's completely just lying on the table. He's, mm-hmm. the most, he's literally the most passive protagonist in the movie ever. But, uh, but Fisher Stevens goes to jail at the end. Yeah. Yeah, uh, spoiler alert. Yeah, in case anyone was watching it just for Fisher Stevens' part. Probably just Fisher Stevens would watch that <laughs> part. Well, it's interesting. Like, Fisher Stevens is on is on Lost recently. Well, yeah, one episode. One episode. Died. Well, the thing was, like, they, they made spoiler a Spoiler alert. Fisher Stevens, <laughs> yeah, if you're watching that episode of Lost, <laughs> you die. Sorry if you're behind on Lost, if you're watching it on DVD. But, I don't say how he died. I didn't say it was like the true. smoke monster or something. But it was funny because there was a lot of press around Fisher Stevens being on Lost. Mm, I seem to have missed that. <laughs> well, this is, you haven't been reading Big Bopper or <laughs> this Teen is, Beat. This is talking from someone who spent a good amount of time today uh, while I was working looking at Rene Abergewinois, or Harry Prince's last name's webpage and remembering that, oh yeah, he did play Odo in Deep Space Nine. I forgot about that. I know him better from his work with Robert Altman. Yeah, oh, I forgot he was on Benson. You know, <laughs> but they, but they, they played up. Oh, Fisher Stevens is going to be on Lost as if, as if everyone was supposed to be like, oh, big name, big name star Fisher Stevens is going to be Stevens. on Lost. And then everyone, extra, you know, extra read all about and it. And then you're disappointed that he dies in uh, one episode. And, you know, granted... But, oh, what a death. I was excited that Fisher <laughs> Stevens was on Lost, but I think that's mainly because I remember him fondly as Ben from uh, Short Circuit and Short Circuit 2. Wasn't he... I remember him as the bad guy in the movie Hackers. Yeah, he was that. He rides a skateboard, I think. Ugh. Well, that was back when people didn't know a lot about Hackers. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike nowadays, <laughs> they're really trying to sell us on the whole cyberpunk concept. Like, I bet these people who are really good at computers are going to be really cool too. They do a lot of extreme sports. I watched. Uh, <laughs> I watched. Uh, I watched Live Free Die Hard recently. Yeah, and, I still uh, haven't seen that. There's a lot of there's a lot of hackers in that, so be prepared. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Con- consider those. Consider everybody warned. <laughs> Uh, but unlike in Short Circuit, Fisher Stevens was not playing an Indian man. A likably caricatured yeah. Indian man. Yeah. His, his head's getting bigger. 
And his neck's getting smaller. It's it's strange. He's like a turtle who's had his shell removed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's pretty much Fisher Stevens out in, in a nutshell, but He's out of a shell. Weird if the, too. if there's a movie where they need to cast someone who's a turtle, like that's in the casting breakdown, turtle with, with shell removed. <laughs> like if there's a Ninja Turtles movie where there's an old turtle whose shell has fallen apart over the years, Fisher Stevens is the guy to cast in that role. So Fisher Stevens, <laughs> if you're listening, and I know you are. Old patchwork shell? Like what the fuck? Date your is agent. it like a, like a Ninja Turtle hobo character? <laughs> He's just—he's been—you know—he's hundreds of years old. Turtles live a long time. Now the thing is, is that uh, is both Fisher Stevens and that character actor that played uh, the uh, the anesthesiologist Christopher yeah. McDonald. Yeah, the two of those guys have such iconic hairdos. Like, do you think that they go to once? They've been going to the same barber for like years. Like, I'm talking about fucking years, just to keep that like iconic. I don't know. Look. I mean, they might just have. A photo that they bring to the barber and like make it look like this, sure. which is what many yeah, people don't do. Don't you think they already have that photo like posted on the wall? That's like sign. Yeah, make it so look that, like my autographed headshot. <laughs> so when people go to that like salon, they're like, "Oh shit, Fisher Stevens, really? Can I get can I get that? No, no, that's only for Mister Stevens. No, no. Hey, Gino, how's it going? Hey, Fisher. We got to your chair, right? You know, and so forth. I don't know that they. I don't. I'm not. I mean, I guess that there goes to an Italian barber. I yeah, I haven't actually encountered an Italian barber outside of like a, a gangster film. I have to say, I've had one Italian barber. This and uh, but I, you're right. Most of the barbers I've had have been Greek, or my current one is Russian, who hires Israelis. Yeah, I would say that. I mean, in New York, I will not at least. get my hair cut by a native-born American. They don't do yeah. as good a job. This is uh, this, this is, is a just... fascinating topic related <laughs> oh, to the movie Awake. <laughs> sociological study of barbers in New York City. I uh, I, I cut my own hair, guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, it looks fantastic. Flippers. Thanks. I wish that this was a video podcast so, yeah, so we could see too. the hair. Yeah. Just yeah, how good it looks. That's weird. But yeah, well, let's talk about the awake. length of this movie. This movie was. 80 minutes long. And, and felt padded at that. Yeah. I feel. As, uh, they don't get into the action until like, what, 40 minutes in? Yeah. yeah. He doesn't go under the knife until, yeah, like 40, 45 minutes into the movie. A lot of exciting stuff before that, huh? Well, as... Not. <laughs> oh! <laughs> well, I mean, as... Um... They do a lot of setting up uh, how Hayden Christensen's company works, which is forgotten as soon as he gets to the hospital. Right. There's really no reason for us to know. There's what isn't there? There's a moment where the TV mentions something about mobsters, right, or something yeah, like there's that. There's a lot of red herrings at the. Well, as my friends uh, uh, Matt and Jeff uh, say, this was a handsome length for a movie. <laughs> like as I get older, I find that I've got a little less attention span for movies, and I appreciate I appreciate older movies. For instance, a lot of older movies, eighty minutes long. You know, a lot of the universal horror films. Like, yeah, less than ninety an, minutes. An hour, maybe even. And I appreciate that brevity. This film spent a half an hour setting up the idea that, one, Hayden Christensen is rich, <laughs> two, he's going to marry Jessica Alba, but he's keeping that from his mom, and uh, three, he has a heart problem, and he's going to go under the knife for it. Now, a talented screenwriter would be able to get all this information out within the first scene of the film, right. I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> pan, pan from hard pills on bedside table, pan to Hayden Christensen and Jessica Alba in bed, uh, maybe one is hugging the other one, and she reaches over and she, turns down a picture of his mom. She no, or, or that's pretty economical. I, I was thinking more like they wake up and they kiss. Hey, how's it going? Only three more weeks until we're married. Oh no, that's my mom. You gotta get out of here. Exactly. She doesn't approve of our relationship. Then yeah. you have a little bit of comedy as she leaves through the fire escape. Exactly. Then get him to the hospital. 
Right. Maybe tripping. Maybe tripping over a penguin. But then, Done. like, let's this, rewrite the script. It felt like this was a movie. Let's rewrite into a thirty-minute episode. I, of Tales I feel of like I feel like if we did thing, I feel like if we digitized this movie, we could probably edit it down right now to twenty-two minutes with commercial breaks. A, like a tight twenty-two. A tight twenty-two. This could easily like it felt like a throwback to an era of half-hour anthology television shows. But they went, oh, this does, like someone dusted off. We were talking about it, it felt like an Alfred Hitchcock presents episode. I think it, I think it was like it was cribbed from that, right? Yeah. And then they're like, hey, let's take three murder mysteries and just smash it in here as well. well. Yeah, it was we like also, it was discussed... like an old man, an old TV, right? Like Richard Matheson had this script <laughs> lying around his home and blew some dust off it and went, oh, this, I meant this for for this Rod, a, Rod Serling, of course, Rod Serling, of course. <laughs> you know what? I could probably bump this up into a feature if I throw some murder mystery in there. Then I'll write. Then I'll write another book. <laughs> it was the classic paralyzed guy can't tell people, you know, like what's going on concept. But then also there's a whole subplot, very small subplot, but significant ultimately about his father who had died, but he couldn't remember much about him except for like he died on Christmas. He had fallen down off the stairs wearing like a Santa Claus suit. And in the end, it turns out that his mom had killed him. But it, because again, he was an abu- because he was an abusive husband and father. Yeah. And again, the Santa Claus like murder element feels like another Alfred Hitchcock presents that they just like they they took seventy five percent of one script and twenty five percent of another <laughs> and put and, them together. And I mean, having recently rewatched Silent Night, Deadly Night, which is also a movie about an abusive person dressed up in a Santa Claus outfit, a better movie, frankly. Yes. Than his um, at least in that movie, the guy grows up to be a uh, crazy murdering Santa Claus instead of a crazy, boring, uh, heart problem-having guy. <laughs> I gotta say, that costume party was the... Which was probably a whim on the part of the screener. I'll sure. just set the scene a costume party. The moment you see Hayden Christensen dressed as an as an admiral or as some sort of uh, I thought he was soldier, a Jedi. Or a, he's, he's wearing a dress uniform with a... Or maybe he's a Marine, actually. And a ton of medals, you're like... This movie just got a little bit more interesting. Oh, it's a Halloween costume. Never mind. Yeah. Like the fact that the one Halloween costume where he wears has more plot potential than most of the film. I, I think uh, we should institute, by the way, um, something on the flop house called uh, like the Quirk Alert. Because uh, I think often. Okay, it's a good name. <laughs> Do you have anything to back it Is up? Is there a sound effect? It has to be something like boy or something like that. Excellent. I'll, I'll work on it. But the, I mean, we've talked about it in a lot of previous so we're get, episodes. So we're going to be watching Juno, is what you're saying? No, I'm, I'm saying <laughs> that often in I these, can read the two. <laughs> 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 I, 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 I. Often in these movies, we call out something that clearly, like the screenwriter threw in, is like, hmm, something interesting, some sort of interesting character trait, or something wacky needs to be a part of this film. And in this movie, uh, Hayden Christensen and, T- and uh, Terrence Howard, what they do together is they fish in the East River. Mm-hmm, yeah. They go fishing in the East River together. Terrence, so, Terrence Howard was also an amateur photographer, so he had a lot of hobbies, yeah. This, yeah. this doctor. Well, it's, it's cool. He barely has time for all his doctoring. <laughs> uh, I wonder if... Oh, oh, and that's the other thing. He goes to the hospital. The, <laughs> the choices of doctor for his heart surgery are his best friend and best man at the wedding, another doctor he knows well, well, and his mom's semi-boyfriend, I guess, who's a famous doctor who says, and this is the best line in the entire movie, I've had my hands inside presidents. <laughs> or my hands have been inside. But, like, what hospital lets someone be, let sur- have a surgeon who knows the patient well working on it? Doesn't make yeah. sense. Yeah, I, I don't actually know. I don't. I don't know hospital procedure. I'm going to assume you're right, though. <laughs> well, I'm, we don't I'm realize pretty sure. he's I mean, a philanthropist. 
he built a hospital inside his house. So <laughs> that's why they all know him. That makes more sense. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. Um, the thing, as far as the fishing in the East River, it totally felt when I was watching that that the uh, the screenwriter director Joby something or other. He, yeah, let's uh, call him Joby something or other. I think, I think he was like, <laughs> "Fuck, I don't know how to set the scene. What do I do?" And then he's like, "Ring, ring, ring! Oh, who's that on the phone? Nicholas Cage." <laughs> Nicholas Cage, what should I have these characters do? No, they're not. They can't eat Skittles and talk about the Carpenters. Fish in the East River, absolutely. Hot dog. Talk to you later, buddy. Yeah, yeah, we'll go to Buffalo Wild Wings later. Okay, peace. That's what it felt like. That's I just imagine that that scene. That's the scene of the life of Joby. What's his name? And Nicholas Cage, script doctor. <laughs> Well, that Nicholas Cage is full of great ideas for it for character traits that are totally unrelated to the character or action of the film. Oh, uh, so I I feel like we don't have a lot of juice to talk about this movie, but before, really? but but I do want to you know before we start winding down another thing that was kind of odd about this movie is one of these movies where while the guy is dying or comatose or whatever you know he does as you say he has his out-of-body experiences and he wanders around and he then has conversations say with his he has a conversation with his mom who has killed herself so you know so that uh, he may live yeah and at the end they're losing him he's he doesn't want to come back because he's talking to his mom and then once they finish that converse, conversation, he can come back. His okay heart there, starts, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, you having I'm, heart problems? <laughs> getting choked up. I, I am getting choked up. It was a sad scene. <laughs> Suddenly the movie hit him. He could relate. <laughs> oh, wait, I get it now. <laughs> was really it was beautiful. Movie. But no, once he decides to live again, obviously then the heart monitor starts up again. And that always pisses me off in movies. Because that's, that's not the way life Oh my god, he's works. doing it. <laughs> Let's, it's, it's, he's made the decision to live in this metaphysical conversation he may or may not be having. Now his heart starts beating again. The, my my least favorite one of those is also from a Hayden, another Hayden Christensen movie, Star Wars Episode Three, <laughs> in which a robot, a, a, a thing without emotions that it can only see, cause should only be able to understand facts, says as uh, what's her name, Luke and Leia's mom. Padme. Padme, thank you. I forgot her made-up bullshit name that George Lucas came mm. up with. As, as like the real name of Luke and Leia. <laughs> Those are Skywalker. real names. Those Skywalkers. Uh, but as, uh, and that's pretty dumb. You want to hide the most evil man in the universe's son, but you don't bother to change his last name from Skywalker. <laughs> that's illegal in the future. <laughs> Skywalker must be like Smith. in the. Yeah, in the, in the uh, but uh, the robot, uh, Luke and Leia's mother delivers the babies and then dies, and the robot says... It's as if she lost the will to live. Really? Nurse Medi Robot? Is that your professional opinion? That she willed herself into dying? Look, they understand medicine better in the the past. (laughs) With their midi chlorians and such. (laughs) Yes. But this this was kind of like that, where it's like... Gay robots. (laughs) The message seems to be like, listen, dead people, you should have tried harder, or else you'd still be alive. Burn. It's you really weird burn. now. Now, if in the future Hayden Christensen's character in Awake, like later on, okay, this is you know years down the road, Jessica Alba's in prison. Later on, he joins the New Republic. <laughs> he starts fabricating stories. No, that was that was actually an okay movie. But that, that uh, is a, that's the best he, uh, Hayden Christensen he, film. Uh, ma- maybe he falls in love with a new girl. He has his mom's heart. Does that make it a lesbian romance? Mm-hmm. Dan, answer <laughs> wow. me. Wow. 
Uh, if I'm forced to imagine Hayden Christensen having sex with a woman and Lena Olin having sex with a woman, I will go with a lesbian romance. I like the idea more that he has his mom's heart in him now, so out of nowhere he starts drinking a lot of martinis, smoking Virginia Slims, that wearing support awesome. hose. He has a lot of hot flashes. He doesn't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Reading Red Book all the time. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I do, what I, ever since I got my mom's heart, I've been so much more interested in watching Lifetime. I don't understand. He acts like weirdly possessed, maybe talks with a slight weird accent where the I fuck like, is she from dude i like your i like your understanding elliot of what middle-aged women uh, they read red book and, and they have hot flashes and they drink and they smoke virginia slims sure that's what they do yep maybe she tapes guiding light something like that sure. and watches it yeah. falls asleep watching tv <laughs> oh wait that's my mom <laughs> drunk in the recliner that's my mom okay so awkward. So, <laughs> my this is... mom's listening. <laughs> uh, so awake. Yeah, I guess it we was. Should... It was pretty good. It was pretty scary. Talk about. We <laughs> <laughs> talk about how terrible and boring it is, and then you're like, "So awake, thumbs up, Terrifying. ten out of ten. <laughs> now we should. Uh... I don't like to throw the word masterpiece around a lot. <laughs> this one earns it. We haven't we haven't done this in a while because uh, you know last week we had our. Uh, awards flop-tacular. Our, and, uh, least, yeah. Not last week, but last full show. And then our, before that, gone wrong. Good Luck Chuck, which was so bad that we totally discarded the idea of, of rating it. Sure. But uh, now we return to the patented Flophouse oh, rating system. By the way, I will say, having listened to the podcast for Good Luck Chuck... And you and everyone, was, you were talking about how strangely explicit the sex scenes were. I said, surely they weren't that bad. And we did the trouble of looking on the internet for research photos of these scenes. They were really surprising in the amount of uh, explicit quality that was in that film. Yeah. So you guys were right. So, um, you hear know. that? Hear that? We were right. <laughs> if for some reason you want to see uh, Dane Cook having sex with a bunch of women. I was blind for seven minutes after I up. saw those pictures. Good luck, Chuck. On the internet, because that has everything, mm-hmm. <laughs> like podcasts, <laughs> such as popular uh, bad movie podcasts or unpopular ones. That's the <laughs> but oh, to get on to our final judgment on Awake, so would you say that this is a movie that you didn't like at all, a movie that you thought was a good movie as a bad movie, or a movie that you actually kind of liked a bit? So uh, I'm going to go to Elliot with this question. Uh, because he's currently rubbing his nose the, with a now, handkerchief. Now that I'm blowing my nose, <laughs> I'm the best time is the best time to talk. Um, I will say that I, I guess there, it's so much of a non-movie that it almost falls outside of normal the normal rating system. Like it, I didn't enjoy it at all, but it like almost wasn't bad enough to raise my ire. You know, if I was eating, it's like if if I'm sitting down and eating Cheerios as a snack, it's like all right. I mean, this is not really that particularly that delicious, but <laughs> I'm not. But, breath smell. but yeah, but it's not. It's not like it tastes terrible. It's like eating cardboard. It's, you know, this was this was like watching a cardboard movie. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good summary. Like, I didn't like it, and I don't want other people to watch it. <laughs> uh, but I don't, it's not to the point that I'm like like I'm mad and I want to punch him in the eyes so they can't yeah. watch the movie. You know. Yeah. Wait, you would take that anger out on the person watching the movie, not well, on the filmmaker. That's the thing. Like, I can't, I can't do it. I can't stop them. They've already made the movie, but I can <laughs> stop people from watching it. Yeah, I. We are in perfect agreement about the non qualities of this film because I don't think it's a bad enough. Like, it's n- nowhere near funny in its badness. Can I just no, state that? That's very true. I mean, I, I don't know how objective we are right now, right? 
but arguably this podcast is either a longer than the movie or b significantly more interesting there's been more <laughs> twists in this fucking podcast than there were in the fucking movie yeah i got there you know one thing i will say for i mean there's a good movie in there somewhere find the silver lining like when lena olin discovers what the plot was i have to say you know i turned to you guys and i was like you know what the clues that she's putting together were were scattered through the movie. They weren't like obvious. There's no point at which I'm like, that's going to become significant later. But then that's true. The clues were well hidden, and and they made sense. Yeah, you did. And say they made that, sense. Probably. But they were. But the thing is, almost like to the point of, oh yeah, those were clues, huh? <laughs> well, it was. There was no moment of like, of course, I didn't even notice. It was like, oh yeah, clues. What are you gonna yeah, do? <laughs> I guess, I guess it happens. I don't I know. Guess this was she, a she, better was, she was trying to kill her. Uh, kill him, huh? <laughs> but what there's like, for? for a movie with a double twist, this is, uh, but it was yeah, almost like. It did not raise the blood pressure at any point. But also, the idea of a woman killing herself so her son, with who has, shares her rare blood type, can receive a heart transplant is, after she's sheltered him to a certain extent his whole life, is an interesting one. But it was so, like, even considering how super melodramatic that is. But, like, even that kind of came off as. There's something about woman kills self so son can have heart that should be like what that like either that's really dramatic or that's insane but here it's like hmm yeah yeah that's what I would that's, do in that that's the yeah, that that's the rational bit, solution like, my favorite bit is nobody at no point addresses that she did that like the like the doctor who looks like Ben Kingsley's weird low rent brother shows up and he's like, oh, I guess she's dead. Prep the surgery room. <laughs> yeah, no one puts two and two together. They're not like, oh my god, she died to kill her. Son. Like, well, wait, 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 wait. I fucked that one up. She died to save her son. Mm -hmm. Well, apparently he puts two and two together enough that immediately, immediately after realizing that she's beyond resuscitation he's like well better get this heart out and put it in there because well, that's because i'll tell you because that's a good doctor his hands have been inside yeah, presidents. yeah, yeah. next surgeon general I, <laughs> the I next surgeon general he says at one point <laughs> i want my surgeon general to be able to read those signs it felt like it felt like the like that kind of stuff should have been exciting but i can imagine the director doing 20 25 takes to bleed the energy <laughs> out of these actors and like prep the surgery we've only got so much time whoa whoa ben's brother <laughs> Take it down a notch. Take it down a couple notches. It was like if, like, Antonioni had made a medical thriller for television. Yeah. You know? We're not getting the ennui out of this murder situation. I that's said pretty, during the movie that pretty I... pretty damn classy of me to mention Antonioni. Yeah, that good was, job, dude. I, re I read a book. Raised the tenor of this podcast significantly. <laughs> yes. But uh, I would have liked it, I think I said, during if Lena Olin had figured out what was going on. And then decided to kill Jessica Alba and steal her heart. <laughs> that would have been awesome. That would have been exciting. Or if she killed herself just enough to turn into a ghost to talk to Hayden Christensen to find out the plan. And then come <laughs> back to do that. <laughs> like, you need to bring me back from the dead in five minutes. Well, that basically happens in The Frighteners, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Okay, what I'm trying to say is I, I'd rather watch, watch the, the Frighteners. Yeah, well, that's a sentiment I think we can all agree with. <laughs> or hey. if, um, Peter Jackson's best movie. Jig Busey. She used her uh, <laughs> her power cosmic so to um, commune with uh, Hayden Christensen's ghost and teach him how to kill Jessica Alba. If there was a fucking like, medicine man or something... <laughs> There were doctors in the film. Yeah, but technically no, those are medicine men. No, They're but men I mean of medicine. <laughs> men of medicine. Yeah. but you mean like a shaman or something? Yeah, I was uh, playing. Um, I was, I was playing uh, cranium this weekend, <laughs> and uh, it was like where this story the, the question was like something like Native American god or something, and I'm looking at like the you know it's like fill in the blanks or some shit, and I'm like, wait, does that say Great Spirit? 
<laughs> that's really a god. Like that's really stupid sounding, but apparently I was right. So it was great spirit. Hmm. So medicine men, great spirit. It was just a really weird situation. And uh, okay. medicine man starring Sean Connery and Lorraine Bracco. <laughs> Not yeah. a weird situation. I discovered the cure for cancer and then I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best line in a commercial. It's ever. in the trailer, and then, and then it's in, the, in trailer, the Amazon somewhere. The best way goes, you know, Hold like on. like you lose your keys. And it's like, <laughs> he says this as if it's a perfectly fine explanation for how it happened. That's the best movie about finding the cure for cancer that also involves swinging around from trees. So. I think you could just say best movie about finding a cure for cancer. I wonder when they pitch that movie if they're like poster has Sean Connery with a ponytail and his shirts open. <laughs> Enough said. Hundred million weekend. I remember very well as as a fifth grader at school, my teacher coming in one day and saying, "Some medicine man this weekend." It was very disappointing. If they'd focused on the Amazonian tribes more and less on the plot, it would have been a better movie. And as a kid, saying, "How did? Why did you expect them to make a movie about Amazonian tribes?" I want to. I want to. I want to commend it though for a uh, brave taking a brave anti deforestation pro curing cancer stance. <laughs> Not a lot of movies are willing to go off on that ledge. Yeah, it's a tough call. Oh man, let's let's That's, talk about uh, someone. Someone told uh, mentioned. Uh, an anti-war movie once to me. I forget which one it was. And they were like, wow, I can be-. And it was like, really? They took that brave stance. Like, the person was really in all of this anti-war film. Like, hmm, they came out against war. Okay, well. It's like a, it's like I a, commend it's them like for a it. sappy rock song about why you shouldn't beat up your wife. <laughs> how it's bad. I'm like, no shit, really? Thanks, Third Eye Blind, or, I don't know, Nickelback? Nickelback? I think that's a better band. I believe it's, it's the same band with different names. They just yeah. It's like Chris Gaines and Garth Brooks. Matchbox 20? That's a band, right? Yeah. <laughs> it is, Dan. Good job. All right. You're confused Wait, about me, a band that's been around for about 13 let me, years. Let me check the internet. <laughs> uh, I'm just getting ready for being an old man. I think you're there. I know. I think you've gotten ready. This is, you're someone I stopped by your house once when I was walking in the neighborhood, and you were. It was about four, three o'clock on a Sunday, and you were in your pajamas. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's old man stuff. I mean, like a, a responsible adult <laughs> would have been up since six a.m. accomplishing many things, whereas I was busy um, putting CDs on my iPod. So watching Medicine Man. <laughs> oh, this is best work after Zardoz. <laughs> what about the Avengers? The Avengers, he's, he does good work in also, and uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Sure. Yep. Those are all bad movies. <laughs> With Sean <laughs> Connery in them. We're good at listing We're bad Sean bad Connery films. Entrapment. Entrapment's one of the few movies that was that was sold on the, that are implying in the commercials, you'll get to see Catherine Zeta-Jones's butt with pants on. <laughs> <laughs> it was huh? it was sold really? on one shot of her butt. I don't think and it's they were like, implying that. I think they were expressly <laughs> saying. But that. like, it was never implied. Like, she might get naked in this movie. It was just look at this. See what you can see in the movie again, but bigger. <laughs> she's gonna be she's gonna be sneaking under a laser. <laughs> Wish hey. she'd be sneaking under your laser, son. Hey, 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 buddy. Hey, that was a successful ad campaign. <laughs> it was a very successful <laughs> no, ad campaign. Entrapment, that's police talk. You should have said blackmail. No, entrapment is a term people use all the time. You're going you're gonna to get sued by whoever uh, writes those Sean Connery movies. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, come on. Let's talk about let's talk about good movies, movies that we want to recommend. Um, does anyone want to volunteer to talk about a good movie first, or I've got a I've got a couple this week actually. Maybe you should go first then. I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, one movie I saw, and this was at the recommendation. I'll 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 uh, give a shout out. This is a recommendation of a uh, Matt Bird. He was talking about how he discovered <laughs> he discovered that he. <laughs> Stuart and Matt often um, Some bad spar about uh, movies. They don't have the same taste. I like if you say if you describe it as them sparring. I imagine at some point that the phrase "avast ye" is said uh, during the. I think you would enjoy this movie, Stuart. Um, uh, he discovered that they have the Fox Movie Channel. It's a good channel, which is something that I uh, had known for some time. But he was talking about um, <laughs> that's, that's a channel where you can say in the afternoon, you know what? I would like to see the Ghost and Mrs. Muir again, and then Porky's Revenge. Oh, they're back to back. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> and Porky's Revenge is also back to back with Porky's Two the next day. That's the, that's the other thing. I mean, if you want to see two Porky's movies in a row, and then Porky's Two the next day is back to back with All Quiet on the Western Front. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is a great movie from the thirties. Oh, okay, Turk great. One eight two. <laughs> just one of the guys is up next. <laughs> I just snored. <laughs> true enough. But I was watching. I he recommended uh, the Laughing Policeman, starring Walter Matthau. Uh, you know, and Walter Matthau, known mainly for comedy, but during the '70s, people were like, "Let's put Walter Matthau in some some thrillers." And you know, he made some great thrillers: The Taking of Pelham One Two Three, which fantastic I know is fantastic movie, a great favorite of yours. One of, I think one of the best, most awesomest movies ever. Made. Um, I can't. What's the other one? The one where he was a like a, a thief. I no, oh no, oh, you think of Charlie Varick? Charlie Varick, another which is a, which is not as good, but it's still pretty good. Still very Don good. C- That's the one where he's like catnip to women. <laughs> Women can't get enough of Walter Matthau and Charlie Varick. And it's so weird because he doesn't do anything different. He's just the same guy. But women love him. Yeah, oh, he's a malign paradigm shift. <laughs> the yeah. Laughing Policeman is, is a movie I've never seen that I've wanted to see. Oh, it's very good. It's not as good, I think, as either of those two movies, but it's still very good. And it's funny, like, it's him and it's Bruce Dern. Mm-hmm. And it's one of these movies where you're like, when but in the 1970s would they be like. Let's make a cop thriller and let's make the two leads, Walter Matthau and Bruce Stern. When, except the 70s, would they make a movie and say, let's make the two leads, Walter Matthau and Bruce Stern? Yeah, yeah, exactly. This was in an era when Elliot Gould could open a movie successfully. Yeah, and it's so, I mean, you know, and it's, uh, the director is the guy who did uh, Cool Hand Luke. And it's it's long on atmosphere and long on sort of um, the mundane police procedural stuff. But it's also... The most 1970s movie you can imagine. It's got uh, Louis Gossett Jr. <laughs> Every scene starts the with them s- holding up a newspaper and saying, look at that date. <laughs> December 14, 1972. Well, aside from Matthau and an extravagantly... Who are you voting for? President Nixon? Really? I'm going to vote for McGovern. Aside from Matthau and an extravagantly mustachioed Bruce Dern. I can't Lu- wait till Star Wars comes out. I know what you're saying. <laughs> and it had Louis Gossett Jr. putting the smackdown on a uh, jive-talking pimp um there's a scene there's like an inexplicable scene in the middle where they go to talk to the hell's angels who are their like connection for like weapons i don't know it's just it's just really great i mean not a great movie to watch if you are offended by uh the 1970s views on homosexuality Mm. it won't win any glad Mm. awards but if you can put your mind so there's no there aren't any good uses of trash bags in the movie i'm just saying that you know get it glad anyway you were saying <laughs> a material. This is my A material. Yikes. I'm gonna stop talking about this movie. You've Aww. taken all the wind out of my sails. I'm sorry, but you're saying it's good. It's good, and also I want to mention I watched. Um, my wife bought 
a, a her company had a uh, a sale where a bunch of among other things a bunch of really cheap DVDs were on sale and she picked up the Peter Sellers box set for like two bucks and uh, you know what the Peter Sellers box set made up of not great Peter Sellers <laughs> movies it's got uh, what's new Pussycat and Casino Royale uh, known for being not very good and very awful uh, the two of those <laughs> the Pink Panther probably actually one of the lesser Pink Panther films. <laughs> The original Pink Panther. But also, I watched uh, The Party, which I enjoyed quite a lot, despite outside of Short Circuit being maybe the most stereotypical portrayal of a Indian person by a white actor. But it also had a lot of fun, you know, it, it was a good sound era throwback to silent films, and it felt like The Laughing Policeman completely of its time. Like a totally 1960s film. So I enjoyed both of those. Con- considering uh, it involves a party at a Hollywood mansion, which is broken up by hippies parading a painted elephant. <laughs> it's pretty 60s, yeah. I yeah, yeah. I used some footage from that today at work. Also constant uh, Mancini uh, music. You did? Yeah, well, because for this thing about the orgy that uh, that uh, Governor Spitzer's going to throw before he get, take, gets out of office. Yeah, this does not count as a Daily Show spoiler, because Daily Show will have aired long before this podcast That, th- that bit will actually air in about six minutes, maybe less. Well, so. let's stop the podcast and watch it, shall no, we? No, let's, hey, let's not. Let's not. All right, well, let's go on. Anyone else have a recommendation? I don't know if I'd say I'd super recommend either of these, but I watched two movies recently. Uh, Do tell. Earlier, <laughs> hey, hey uh, so I watched uh, Livery Die Hard, and there was a lot of explosions, and the internet was really important, and daily life, and the the thing that I was obsessed with the movie, the thing that I just couldn't get over is the fact that there's a point where Timothy Oliphant, the bad guy, star of Hitman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, uh, he, like, tells some, like, jet fighter, like, F-16 jet, jet fighter, that, like, the semi-truck that Bruce Willis is driving is a terrorist, and so they should blow it up. And this fucking F-16 dude, like, the guy driving this fucking jet fighter is the craziest hot dog I've ever seen. Like, he's, like, <laughs> he's, like, going underneath fucking overpasses and shit on the highway, and, like... He gets the whole. He gets his fucking jet exploded because he's like fucking like ten feet away from the semi trailer, underneath an overpass, and a big chunk of concrete falls in the jet turbine and blows it up. And I just can like imagine this guy thinking as he ejects, like, "Ooh, mission accomplished. That's Job what well a, done." That's what makes America's Air Force great. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that was really good. Um, the uh, and then last night I watched a movie that I'm not quite sure how I feel about, and that was uh, the William. Friedkin uh, thriller Bug. Oh, I've heard mm. that's a movie that looked so stupid, and then it got really good reviews, and I was surprised by it. Yeah, it's um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's stupid. It's also not like amazing. It's mm-hmm. just kind of like it's it's got some atmosphere. It's kind of creepy, and uh, there's not a lot of like like actually Judd doesn't look that hot in it, even though she's naked, <laughs> and I think you see her bush. <laughs> So they should have called always, the movie. They should have called the movie Bush, and it would have done a lot better business. You're always yeah. good for an, a nude scene report, Stuart. <laughs> yeah, well, that's important. Oh, Live Free, Die Hard took me a while, but I figured out the girl who plays uh, John McClane's daughter is uh, the, uh, is one of the girls from uh, the the Death Proof segment of Grindhouse. Sure. Mary yeah. Elizabeth Winstead. Which one is that? I, uh, uh, the cute one in the cheerleader outfit. As oh, opposed okay. to all the ugly ones. As opposed well, to the hideous women in that. She, I like, I've got a thing for like big-eyed, dark-eyed brunettes with bangs. So. Mm. Dressed like cheerleaders. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> in Quentin Tarantino films. 
very specific. Yeah, well, that's why I have to pay uh, $5,500 for a prostitute. <laughs> yeah. Topical. Yeah, it won't hey. be by the time this podcast this comes out. <laughs> this so, podcast is ripped from last week's headlines. <laughs> can I, uh, as, a, as a summary then, live free, die hard, eh? Bug? Eh. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best rating system ever. We should switch up the whole the most rating system nuanced to the rating house. system to that. It's like, <laughs> like Chinese, a completely, a completely like every section two completely different words. <laughs> Noise inflection based rating system. Eh. Eh. <laughs> okay, Elliot. Fucking the pressure's on, dude. The pressure is on. Let me Have tell you. you. Watch any movies? Oh, I've on. watched a ton of movies. The problem Thomas is, I watch so many movies that I forget them almost as soon as I watch them. But I can name two that I watched recently that I liked that I can recommend to different type of people. One was the uh, Barbara Stanwyck, Henry Fonda murder mystery comedy, The Mad Miss Manton, which is not wow. it's not as Good well name. it's not as well known, I guess, as it should be, because I thought it was really funny. And there's one scene in particular that's very sexy and very intimate between the two of them in the middle of this really funny, just kind of slapsticky, crazy movie where Barbara Stan- Barbara Stanwyck is a, basically a rich airhead who gets into trouble and witnesses a murder, and no one believes her because she's famous for causing shenanigans as rich people did in the 30s. And she and her group of airhead rich women have to solve this murder and Henry Fonda's a reporter who first the thing usually in these movies the woman is in love with the man and the man's like get away from me you're crazy and the woman wins him wins him over in this one Henry Fonda hates her then abruptly turns and is like I love this woman I'm gonna marry her and she wants nothing to do with him and they're just these great moments where he's all about we're gonna get married this is great I love you forever and she's like I don't even know you that well what it just really it's funny the way they do it but uh <laughs> yeah. I'm not I'm not selling it clearly but there's one scene where Yikes. she's lying in bed in a hospital I think and he's come to visit her and he lights a cigarette that's in her mouth and it's all very sweet and then he's looking out a window and they just have this conversation that has jokes in it but the way they deliver it is very natural and it's like this nice funny moment but it's not like funny like ah, that's the way it happened <laughs> but it's, it's funny like oh these sounds like jokes that could be delivered from one person to another across a hospital room and the other movie I'm actually near the end right now of uh, Robert Altman's Kansas City I've been watching oh. movies in pieces and I have to say that I'm not enjoying it as much as I would have liked okay. a Robert Altman, Altman movie set in the 30s which involves gangsters and jazz music and a kidnapping and Jennifer Jason Lee Talking like this, yeah. Hey, get over there, Palooka. Well, let's go. And I, you know, I thought this is gonna be great. And right up it's, your alley. It's very much a movie that Robert Altman seems to be not interested in. It's obvious he right. wanted to make a movie about like the gingerbread man. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to make a movie about jazz musicians, and was like, I guess I need a plot for this movie about jazz musicians. So I'll have a kidnapping, but no one really seems to worry about it that much. And then there's a lot of scenes of jazz musicians playing. What struck me was that uh, this came out, I guess, in the mid '90s. And it's with tons of period cars, period outfits. All the buildings are from the period. So it, it's like, was this the last big budget movie Robert Altman made? Like this is post the player. And the others, the only movie, movies I can think of after that besides Gingerbread Man are like Cookies Fortune right. or uh, you know Doctor T and the Women, the Company. Like very small scale films. Even Gosford Park. Well, Gosford Park's a little bigger budget, I guess. But even that, like, they don't need that many sets. It just takes place in the one house. Like, Robert Altman, did you throw away your last big budget on this movie that you didn't seem to care that much about? I don't know. So, the ghost of Robert Altman. So, I'd have to say, using this, new, using this new rating system, Kansas City, eh. Mavis Manton, eh. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting it. 
That's pretty good. Just well, a couple more podcasts, and then you'll be right. <laughs> a couple more podcasts, and this will sweep the nation. Nice. I want to around the you'll, water cooler. You'll see. You'll see movie reviews that that's in big say. Eh, and then, like, parentheses, in a good way. <laughs> nice. Right. The, the flop house. At the water cooler, people will be like, did you see, I don't know, what's that game show with the, the briefcases? Uh, deal or no deal? Yeah, they'll be like, did you see deal or no deal? Eh? <laughs> Just like that. And they're like, no, well, I thought it was more of an eh. And, 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 you get it. Oh, I thought sure. of another movie I saw recently. Uh, I saw the movie Far From Heaven. The uh, Todd Haynes film, and I guess it gets across the point really well that the 1950s were not a great time for black people or gay people. So yeah. if you were under the impression it were another moral that we really needed to uh, go see that movie. <laughs> I'm glad I took a stand on that one. <laughs> it's well. like, I'm boldly taking a stand against gay people and black people being oppressed in the 50s. I don't want us to go over time again because last time it uh, resulted in us losing some, some of our fucking audio choice file. shit. Ironically, that was the good podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh-huh. You could only have heard that. Oh. <laughs> I got to cut it out. Say. It's reminded me too much of, uh, of of the home improvement sound effects <laughs> made by That's Tim true. Allen. Quickly, I want to I want to run down the uh, the business and then we can uh, we can get get out of here. Get out of the internet. I want to say visit the flophousepodcast.blogspot.com. Uh, once you're there, you'll notice that we have a new logo, courtesy of my uh, brother John, who designed it. Thank you, John, for um, letting me take advantage of you and not pay you for it. It's a lot of good, solid American names in your family: Dan McCoy, John McCoy, Robert, Robert McCoy. Yeah. These are these are the names I would expect to see on the on like signs on small businesses. Well, I'll commend my parents when I see them next. <laughs> uh, also, once you're there, there's a uh, Flophouse forums that you can sign up for and uh, discuss the shows or leave us a comment. Write theflophouse at gmail.com if you have any feedback. We might address it on the air. That was the Flophouse podcast. The Flophouse podcast at gmail.com. You're right. I screwed it up last time. It's the Flophouse podcast at gmail.com. So much fan mail that's just going by the wayside. I know. Yeah. That's going to that flaccid penis fetish website, <laughs> the Flophouse. <laughs> Well, I don't, why are people talking about our podcast? It's been so great. We still can't get the podcast tech thing up. I guess they like pictures of flaccid venuses. <laughs> and lastly, I want to say, <laughs> if you've enjoyed the show in the past, but the thing that's been holding you back from recommending it to your friends has been the shitty sound quality. Now that sure. we have three microphones, I want you to go out and tell everyone you know to listen to the podcast. And you know what else? Until Dan listens to this and realizes the three of us just have terrible voices. Yeah, well, that could be it. But also... Go to Podcast Alley and vote for us because I'll tell you what I went there. I went there and you can you can search. You can see what the top. You can or, do that wait, on the internet. <laughs> you can go there and you can see what the top podcasts are by category. And so in the comedy categories, the top podcasts for March, we're ranked at one hundred and one. Ah, oh, now holy shit. so close. Now do you do you want to guess? Do you want to hazard a guess for the number, the top number, the absolute highest number of podcasts that can be listed on one screen at a time is? I'm guessing 100. Yes, it is 100. What's, so, the, number, what's the number one highest rated podcast? Just like the Dane I, Cook podcast or something? We don't want to... We don't want to promote... Because I want to listen to that one. It's probably great. You're losing the script. The point is, 
It's a bad movie podcast if you, with if, the guys. If just a couple of people go there and vote for us, we can finally get bumped up to that one that one hundred page. Maybe we'll be at number eighty eight. Maybe number eighty seven. Can we can we quit our jobs then? Yeah, probably. Yeah. That's how the internet works. Awesome. Nice. Tell if you have any listeners in Michigan or Florida, this is a chance for their vote to count. Yeah, the one chance this year. Topical. But um, but they can vote in the general election. Nope. Nope. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking that power away just so they can they'll vote for this. And the thing is, if you voted in the past unlike the general election you can vote a couple times <laughs> you, you can vote once a month I mean, so i would recommend oh, that if you enjoy good. the show you go back every month and you vote that's all i'm saying and, and send us emails with pictures yeah send Stuart emails with pictures <laughs> at, at the flop house podcast, podcast at <laughs> gmail.com sure. so anyway it, it's the flop house podcast. the flop house podcast at gmail.com because i wanted it to be the longest and most ungainly <laughs> Email the email people get tired possibly. of typing halfway through and decide they didn't want to send that letter all that Fuck much. It. <laughs> Fuck it. Fuck those jerks. Flop. Uh, how much more of this address is there? Uh, I'm too busy. I've, I've fallen asleep. Oh, I'm walking around the hospital all of a sudden. Anyway, on that note of tying it all together, I'd like to say that uh, I've been Dan McCoy. I've been Stuart Wellington. Uh, I continue to be Elliot Kalen. Thanks for listening to the Flop House. Good night. So a few things that I'd like to say now that we've got these uh, extra microphones. Yeah. Uh, number one. Check, check, is, uh, check, <laughs> check. <laughs> I want to say that a lot. Check. Sibilance. Yeah. Check. I would, um, recommend check. number one. Putting your drink on the floor or some other place. Cause or in your belly. It's not that much harder to pick I'm it up from the floor. <laughs> uh, number two. <laughs>